Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is your host, Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here today with a most amazing guest. But before I introduce my guest, I want to remind you to come join me on Tuesday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern. I do a little event for the Ascension School called the Spirit Talks Development Experience. And in this experience, we connect with our higher selves. We clear the things out that keep us from hearing our guidance from our highest self and from our spiritual guides, our God squad, if you will, and really work with our gifts to be able to negotiate this reality in a more effective way. So come join me on Tuesday evenings. It's fun. It's $10, and it's an amazing time. You can register for that at bit.ly slash spirit talks one that's b-i-t dot l-y slash s-p-i-r-i-t t-a-l-k-s numeric one so i will see you tuesday evenings and now i will introduce our guest carly myers is an expert at helping professionals who feel overworked overwhelmed and on the verge of burnout relieve stress so that they can find more joy at work at home and beyond as the founder of the Stress Less Company, Carly has helped hundreds of professionals across the country take action to reduce stress through coaching. She believes there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to stress management. Carly, a diplomat of the American Institute of Stress, has had her work most recently featured in media outlets such as Parade, Good Day Philadelphia, Fox 29, The Philadelphia Inquirer, Philly Mag, and Wooly Magazine. Welcome, Carly. I'm so excited to have you here with us. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I want to, I, I love reading these bios and it's always like, oh, these are really cool people. They've done amazing things in their lives, but we generally weren't born in this amazing state. There's generally a path that we go down that brings us to these moments in our lives and that the missions that we're here to fulfill. Uh, what did your life look like before you were this amazing stress management person? Oh my gosh. So I feel like we have to go back quite a bit because I think, goodness, before I was in stress management, I was, let's go back to when I was 12 years old. So life was pretty darn good. Things were going great in my childhood. And, um, and then my parents decided to get divorced or get separated. Yeah. And um, things weren't working out. My, my dad had, you know, tried his best, but he, he ended up having an, an affair. And so that basically ended their marriage. And so they, they went on their way and I, uh, you know, was part of that journey. And my mom, as we do, right, when, when we go through a breakup or a separation or even a divorce, you know, when time goes by, we start dating again. And mm -hmm. so um, my mom started dating again and she went on a few dates here and went on a few dates there and uh, finally ended up meeting a guy where things were starting to progress. Okay. And... Um, my my dad being your typical overprotective dad was basically like, you know, ain't nobody going to be around my kids unless I know what their deal is. 
Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're going to pass my, my criteria here. (laughs) Yes. And so he, um, he actually did uh, some research on this guy and he, to his dismay, found that this guy had an extensive history of domestic violence. And oh my. Yes. And he was actually still on parole for a recent incident with his ex-wife. Oh. And, yeah. So he went back to my mom and he said, you know, I know you didn't know. There's no way you could have known. But uh, this was back before we Googled everything. <laughs> yeah. It was harder to get that information on people back in the day. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, he's like, there's no way you could have known, but here's the information, you know, here's the newspaper articles, here's everything. And he told her to be careful. And so my mom had a decision to make at that point. She, you know, was she going to stay with this guy where things were progressing or was she going to leave? And they were only a few months in. So, and she had two daughters, myself, who was 12 years old at the time, and my Mm -hmm. sister who was 17. And so she decided to call it quits. Yeah. And uh, so she broke it off. And again, with breakups and things like that, as time goes on, you start dating again. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm feeling a little better. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to find that right partner. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to find my soulmate. And, and so she began her search again and she ended up meeting a guy where again, things were starting to progress. And, um, you know, it turns out that that ex-boyfriend hadn't stopped looking, hadn't stopped watching. Mm-hmm. And, and I was not ready to move on. Was not moving on at mm-hmm. all. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, from a 12-year-old's perspective, it was, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing really to look at. Is my mom here? Cool. Am I getting my homework done on time? I better be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it's life is kind of normal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one particular Sunday, I still remember that evening, I had a rip-off calendar that had these cute little quotes on it, and I'd written every day, I think this is my inner spirituality came out like subconsciously as a child, but every night before, I would peel off at the end of the day, the day that had just finished, and on the next day, I would write what I wanted to happen, and I was on that particular I Sunday I love night. it. You're speaking it. <laughs> I know. Well, I was like, That's fabulous. <laughs> of course, it wasn't very spiritual things, I will tell you. It was like, I hope that my my crush reach <laughs> what to you know, asks me out tomorrow, but you know I finish I, I do that and I go to bed and um, that particular boyfriend the new boyfriend was at our home and around three o'clock four o'clock in the morning I wake up to my mother screaming and furniture slamming against walls and glass the sound of Holy glass breaking shit yeah yeah and so I I'm my sister and I, you know, rush out of our rooms. We rush to my mom's door, which was closed and locked, and we were trying to get in. Of course. Um, because, yeah. you know, we hear a mom who's in trouble. And we get it open probably three or four inches, and there's a, a man's body holding it closed. We can oh. see his, the back of his arm. He's using mm-hmm. the back of his body to hold it closed. And um, we couldn't get it open. And my mom at that moment screamed, you know, get out get out. And I've never heard anyone scream like that in my entire life, except for one other time. Um, and we, that voice was so desperate that we didn't even question it. We ran, we left. Yeah, just go. It, it just. was your mother ordering you to save yourselves. Yes. Yes. And so we, 
we ran and we went down to a neighbor's house. But that night, my mom's new boyfriend was murdered and my mom was shot three times. She was shot point blank in the back of her head, in her L5 in her spine and through her arm. Holy buckets. Yes. And so she was, next time I saw her, she was in the hospital bed, you know, covered in blood and unconscious. She was, the doctors had put her in medically induced coma. And there she laid for quite some time while she had the shards of bullets removed from her brain. She had brain surgery um, while she had all sorts of surgeries while, you know, they were working on her health. Yeah. And trying to put her back together. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I remember hearing from the, from the doctors and the adults, because of course, as a child, you're not really part of those conversations. Yeah. The doctor doesn't sit down with the 12 year old and say, here's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I remember overhearing a conversation with the doctors, with my parents and, and my mom's side of the family that, you know, she has a 3% chance of surviving you need to have a serious wow. conversation about pulling the plug wow. because she could be, you know, she could very well, you know, she, we, we're just keeping her alive right now. Yeah. On she, she's going to be a vegetable is kind of mm -hmm. the conclusion. Yeah. And um, so, you know, my family was having, unfortunately having to have that conversation, but all of this to share that, you know, my mom ended up surviving. She wildly enough, she, basically made a full recovery all she has if you saw her today you would have first of all if you saw her today you would have no idea yeah um all she has is a pair of reading glasses and a slight limp awesome um, oh yeah God. thank you it, jesus what an amazing recovery for real for real and that set her off on her spiritual journey but i will tell you that it certainly was was not a spiritual resol resolution for me Oh, I'm sure it wasn't. This probably just kicked you, started down the road of, of, oh my God, is there even a spiritual journey? Exactly. Exactly. And so for me, it was the beginning of PTSD, you know, mm -hmm. of night terrors, of stress, of overwhelm, of struggle. And, you know, feeling as if that, you know, as if my brain, my mind was just tearing me apart from the inside out. Oh, sure. You know? And so that was the, I would say the, the milestone of saying of, of me being faced with that. We talked pre-show about this tough conversation, right? That we've right. had to have with the universe or God or, or spirit. And that was the beginning of, of, I say, God smacking me upside the head. <laughs> saying, <laughs> you're going to do something with your life. You're going to get, get your stuff together and you're going to learn very quickly what, many others aren't going to learn for many years or even uh, lifetimes. And so, yeah, well, most of us are not faced with something as, what do I want to say, stressful, difficult, challenging, uh, earth shattering until much later in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Really and, trying time to have had that happen. So how, how did your life unfold from that point? How, how yeah. did you, what did you try to cope with the PTSD and the stress from this event? Because it's, it's a profound amount. Yeah. So I will say that for the first five years or so, I didn't really tell anybody what was going on with me. Um, 
my mom was recovering. She was, you know, in physical therapy. She was learning how to walk again and, and she had to pass the swallow test to get out of the, out of the hospital to even be able to go home. And, um, my, from my perspective as a 12 year old girl, and I don't know that this was conscious, but you know, I didn't end up telling anybody that I was really struggling because I thought that I would be the, the straw that broke the camel's back that my well, family yeah. take another, you know, another hardship. Un- understandably. I mean, you've got a grown woman who is trying to relearn all of the basic functions of life and needs all this support from the people around her. Yeah. And by the time you're 12, you've already been told that good little girls are not to be burdens and all of that sort of crap that we ingest from society. Yeah. So not terribly surprising. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the context, there's, there's some context there, you know, when my parents got separated, I was living with my mom. And so of course, when she was shot, we, my sister and I were uprooted and we now lived with my dad and my dad was dealing with two teenage girls. <laughs> it's something so, he was probably pretty ill-equipped to deal with because back in the day, Dad's role was, you know, go earn the money and make sure that mom has the resources to take care of the daughters. Yeah. And so I think, you know, my dad is definitely an incredible dad. He was, you know, there for us before the shooting. We had some inklings that something might happen before based on some of the things that this ex-boyfriend had said. You know, he had been there for us, but, you know, he was dealing with, I think, not only just two teenage daughters and hormones and all of that, but just teenagers and <laughs> and <laughs> attitudes and goodness gracious like I don't know if anybody's ever prepared for teenagers but yeah. you know well, and not to mention his own shock and trauma right uh, because as much as your parents are divorced and separated there's always that link to the woman I loved and had children with and who I tried to protect mm-hmm. by giving her this information and it didn't do it yeah. Yeah. And, and having my dad, you know, he's, he, my, while my sister left the scene, he actually went to the scene to try to support, you know, to try to show up, to see what's going on, to protect her, to yeah. protect us as kids and make sure everything's okay. And so he's, you know, while everything for my sister and I actually happened behind closed doors and our imagination is what really happened and what we saw in the hospital is what our real trauma is. Yes. Um, he saw, he saw everything. The scene. He saw yeah. the scene. Ugh. And so, you know, he had to deal with his own, I, I, what I assume is PTSD at this point and his own struggles. In addition to my sister, who was, a, what, I mean, she was 17 at the time. So she was in her full fledged rebel child. I'm going to go do whatever I want. Don't I know tell me everything. What to do. The parents <laughs> don't know anything. I can't believe how benighted you people are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, my dad had his hands full. And, you know, I think that, you know, keeping that in mind, he had his own stuff. He had my sister, he had me, he had the bills that he was now taking on, which he didn't have before, when they were my parents were separated, he was taking on my mom's bills as well. So he was having to work overtime and to just make ends meet. And um, so that's really the next piece of my journey is really just taking all this in subconsciously and just choosing to stay quiet. Yeah. And it wasn't until probably five or six years later where I had woken up from probably one of the worst night terrors I had had to date. And it was so bad. I was 
I was sobbing. I was shaking. I was terrified. I mean, it was hard to wrap. It was hard to really get to a place of understanding and to a place of, of groundedness. And that's really when I, I told, I told somebody for the first time. That is a powerful, powerful moment. And I'm going to pause you right in the middle of this moment (laughs) because it's time for us to take a quick little break. Uh, And when we come back, I want to hear more about how things started to loosen for you as a result of this event. Um, If you're out there listening to us today, I'd love for you to think back on some of the most profound, stressful moments of your life. And spend a few minutes reflecting on how they have formed what followed after those moments, the good and the bad, because there's, there's always an and then and a story that we write about what happens. And you're the author of that story. So take a look back and let's see what your and thens were. And then we'll see perhaps later on if there's a different and then you want to put around it. So hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Hey, beautiful soul, Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to tellzofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A dot com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's tellzofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I'm here talking to the amazing and resilient Carly Myers, who is a stress specialist. And when we left, Carly was sharing that she had reached a really low point after the attack on her mother and the murder of her mother's boyfriend. Um, So take us back to that moment where you'd had this soul-shaking dream experience and what you decided to do different after that. Yeah, so... I remember waking up from this this particular night terror, one of the worst that I had ever had. And for the first time, I picked up the phone and I called, and I always laugh at this, 
because I called my high school boyfriend of all people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And um, I told him that, you know, I need you here and I need you here right now. And the knight in shining armor that he was, he got in his car and he sped over and he opened the door and he found me crying in the stairwell. And I remember saying to him, you know, if this is what sleep is, I never want to sleep again. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't choose this. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. And I mean, if we know anything about sleep, that's basically a death wish. Yeah, because if you go sleepless long enough, you will die. You lose your mind and then your body stops to function. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, that was a really pivotal moment. Not only because I shared with someone really what was going on, but also because this, goodness gracious, this, this high school boyfriend, he held space for me. He listened. He didn't judge he didn't call me crazy. He could have very well dismissed me and he just held space for me. And I say that's pretty darn good for a teenage boy. <laughs> Absolutely, especially an ex <laughs> at that moment. But the, the beautiful thing about having reached out to him is you didn't have to explain to him. He knew your history, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, he held space for me. And I think as a result of that moment, I was I had the strength and I had the ability to see that people could be there for me. Mm. And so I slowly started opening up to people in my life. And mostly, not necessarily, I want to be clear, not really to the people in my direct life. It took another probably 10, 15 years before I did that. <laughs> it it but, is a gradual stepwise process. It feels really vulnerable. Yes. And you know, so there's that context, but I would start saying things to people like, you know, hey, I'm feeling kind of stressed or I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed or I'm kind of struggling. And I would ask people for advice. Okay. And it was like clockwork that I got the same five or so mainstream responses. And I okay. say mainstream because these are things that we've probably all heard, right? Carly, try, have you tried therapy? Have you tried meditation? Have you tried yoga? Have you tried changing your diet? Have you tried, um, insert mainstream approach here. And yeah, okay. And how did it go when you tried all of those things? <laughs> I assume you, you took the advice you received. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because this is, you know, this is probably one of the most frustrating parts of my journey because I had kept quiet for so long that, you know, when I finally opened up, I got these responses. And, I, and at that point, I was kind of like, no bleep, Sherlock, right? Like I knew, I had, I had heard of these things. I had heard them in the church that I had grown up in. I had heard them in my communities. I had heard them from school. I'd heard them around. And I had, at that point, I was already so desperate that I had tried all of those things. Right. And so when I heard that, it was kind of like a slap in the face. Like, really? You didn't think that I would have tried, you know, like tried try this these. obvious stuff that's around me. Well, you never know. Some people... Yeah pick up faster than others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, having tried those things, I want to be clear, like some of those things did not work at all. They right. just didn't. Um, for instance, you know, showing up at therapy, I, my sister and I showed up for one therapy session 
And I remember the therapist saying we were okay. Now, I don't know if she was trying to console us or if she really thought we were okay. But whether she thought we were okay or my parents not being able to afford ongoing support, we didn't end up in therapy. Yeah. So, you know, having that perspective. But Well, and I know my own experience with therapy is it really, really depends on the therapist you oh, get. Yes. And I've been to several over the course of my life and only two of them ever really did me any good. Yeah. With therapists, yeah. it's like dating. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> so you, you've got to find the right one. <laughs> yep. Yes. Um, and so at that point in my life, right, I had been like, well, I already tried therapy. I already tried these things. And they're not, you know, some of them didn't work and some of them worked just a little bit. But mm -hmm. nothing was ever getting me over that hump where I was experiencing things like peace of mind and joy and happiness and goofiness and silliness and, you know, all of those beautiful states of mind you know, that I, I particularly used to roll my eyes at because I thought that they weren't real. I thought that people mm. were just faking it, that they were just going through their lives. And so my initial response to all of that was like, come on. And so I, you know, but here's the thing. I, I continued to try those things and um, made a little bit of progress here and there, but again, not really where I wanted to be. And so it took me 10 years, 10 more years of real struggle before I found the thing that worked for me, before I figured out, okay, this is the unique thing that works for my unique situation to get me out of the place where I'm having night terrors and struggling with stress and anxiety and fear and, and all of those scary things. And I'm on the edge of my seat. What was that for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was really at the time, it was drawing, it was art, it was mm. drawing out my, my night terrors and sketching out my emotions and my feelings and letting those flow through me and out of me. Another form of expression. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I would argue from a more spiritual perspective that there's, there's an energy coming from something greater than myself and moving through me, helping that move through me. But, you know, that was that was what worked for me at the time. But as I matured and as I grew, I realized that it wasn't just art. And I think that I always like to clarify this because usually at this point, when I share this part of my story, people start panicking. They're like, I, but can I can't draw. draw. What are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> like I can barely draw a stick figure. Right. Like, and, but more specifically, I think what I found is this thing called creative stress reduction. Mm. And, and that has nothing to do with artistic ability. It has everything to do with it being an activity that you love, that gets you out of that fight, flight, or freeze mode and into that state of play or flow or into that rest and digest mode. Yes. Because, like, quite frankly, for me, it was, I was in fight or flight mode for 10 years. I was in that place. Yeah. And when, when we are in that place, goodness it, gracious, it, like burns you out in ways that you could never even imagine. Yeah. And, yeah. and I would say too, not only is it exhausting and it's, and it burns you out, but it also, it, it, it really cuts you off your options off, right? Like your fight or flight mode. I, I can say for me, when I'm in that place, I make poor decisions. Yeah. Right? Well, because you're, your field of vision narrows way down, right? Mm -hmm. So you can focus on the tiger. Yep. But if yep. there isn't a tiger, you can't see that there's 
there are other options beyond that little narrow field of vision of whatever it is you're focusing on. Exactly. And so it's, you know, the poor decisions were coming. I was, you know, uh, emotionally eating, right? There's, there's Mm -hmm. things like that, the the small stuff, like I would say considerably the small stuff, like emotional eating, and then the big stuff of, you know, not getting the real support and help that I needed. But, you know, I found this thing called creative stress reduction and it changed my life. It changed the way that I related to my stressors and to my triggers. And it enabled me for the first time in my life to shift my thinking and to see. And I think uh, if we, if we talk about a course in miracles, right? Like that's the miracle. The miracle is a shift in perception. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I want to just kind of backtrack a little bit um, because I think many of us do have that very narrow definition of what creative is. And I know you work with a lot of different people who have found their unique creative outlet, their unique creative expression. What are some of the forms that you've seen it show up for people in so that those of us who can only draw stick figures have some hope and maybe some other thoughts for what it could be? (laughs) Yeah. So it's really any activity, right? So any activity that gets you out of fight, flight, or freeze and into that play or flow. So for for some, it can be going on a walk. For others, it can be gardening. For, for someone else, it might be formatting an Excel spreadsheet, right? It can be um, playing with your dog. It can be creating art. It can be reorganizing your sock drawer. Really, it doesn't matter what it is as long as it's, it's an activity that you love doing and it's an activity that gets you into that, that rest and digest mode. Mm. Now, if you've been in fight or flight for a long time, I I know I went through a period in my life where I was extremely sick and I was working to try to shift how I imagined, how I envisioned things so that I could manifest some better health in addition to some of the practical scientific things I was doing. And I found it really hard to remember what healthy felt like. So, if some of our listeners out there have been in fight or flight for a long time, share with us what being in that relax and digest mode is like. I would say that what, when we think about, well, before I share that, what I would like to share is how the stress response shows up in the body. Sure. Because oftentimes we can use the power of the opposite. So we have, when stress can show up in the body, we experience tension um, it can show up anywhere. It can show up on our shoulders or in our back or um, anywhere in the body. We can experience headaches. We can experience depression, anxiety. And that's not getting into, of course, the, the deeper health concerns like cardiovascular disease and, mm-hmm. and heart attacks and strokes. Adrenal and like exhaustion and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that. And so that's how stress can show up in the body and in the mind. So if we think about the power of the opposite. Well, if stress and fight or flight mode is headaches, well, then it's a clear state of mind. If stress is tension in my body, then health is, is a body that's at ease and relaxed. Mm-hmm. If irritability is fight or flight mode, then a sense of calm and inner peace is that healthy version. And so we can sit with our pain in this particular scenario and say, where am I suffering? And what is the opposite of that? 
And that for you, I think for each individual is going to, that, that sense of rest and digest is going to look different. Right. And, but that we, we can really start with what's the, where do we identify our suffering and let's identify the opposite of that because that can be our rest and digest. And that's the power. That's the stuff. That's the good, the, the, ju- the juicy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that is the good stuff. <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that very much. Um, you know, I've been in this world for a long time and moving through this world of spirituality, there is a myth that shows up, which is once you've moved into your real authentic self, you know, you're automatically in this state of flow and life is beautiful and perfect, you know, forever on ever. And occasionally I'll get clients who come back to me who are like, oh, God hates me because this thing arrived in my life, right? (laughs) Is stress really truly fully preventable or is this more of a thing that you go, oh, there it is again. Let's see what else we need to do. Yeah, I would say no, stress is not fully preventable, but there are aspects of stress that are preventable. So, you know, what we just talked about in terms of creative stress reduction, you know, that's really the first step I would say in, in anyone's stress management journey is to get out of fight or flight mode to, to really be able to think clearly about what's stressing us out. Yeah. And, and then from there we have these, these, what I would define as chronic stressors, right? The stressors that are predictable at some, at some level, they're coming up over and over again, whether it's our, our relationship with money or our romantic partnership or our boss or our business or something. Right. Or it's time to file the goddamn taxes again, right? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And so we have these, these stressors that are coming up over and over and over again. And I think that those stressors, we have so much more ability to address and prevent because we can see, Oh, there it is again. What is it about this that's triggering me? What is it about this that's causing more stress? Mm. And we have the ability to be strategic and really say, okay, well, how do we prevent this? How do we, how do we make this more? And if we can't prevent it, how do we show up and respond to it so it's not so stressful for us? I, so love, that- I love that question. I'm going <laughs> to leave that question hanging while we go to the break here. Um, so while we're at the break, I want you to sit and kind of think about, you know, what are these predictable stressors? Make a little list of those for yourself. And then when we come back from break, we'll shift a little around those. How does that sound? Sounds like a plan. (laughs) So hang with us and we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520 261 6827 and let me know how has the show supported you where should we go next or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment that number 520-261-6827 thank you so much for your feedback it's crucial in informing where i take the show next thank you and go out and live soul first 
We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I'm here with Carly Myers. And before we went to break... Uh, we were looking at what are some of the predictable ways that stress shows up in our lives, and you were making a list of what those are for you. So now that we have our list, how do we start to shift each of those? How do we start to reframe new responses or new stories or maybe even release responsibilities around some of these things? Yeah. Well, so I would say, you know, really before that's really what I'm that's the work that I do with my clients that's the real that's the hard stuff yeah (laughs) you know we can't get you know done in 45 minutes or less but what I will say is that what we want to make sure is we want to make sure that we're implementing the foundation the first step creative stress reduction how do we find that how do we implement that what is it for me Yeah, well, and I was going to ask you because you said, okay, first we have to get out of flight or fight mode and into our relaxed mode. Is this something we do once or is this like a continual ongoing process? This is a continual ongoing process. It's really about energy management. Okay, so you're not broken if you have to shift out of fight or flight multiple (laughs) times. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Look, I was making a lot of art whenever I first discovered it and it and it helped, and it and it may only work for five minutes, right? It may only work for thirty seconds, um, but those are thirty seconds of clarity, thirty seconds, uh, five minutes of clarity, five minutes of clear thinking that can help you really dramatically shift your life. And it makes such a difference to have those five minutes because it allows you this range of strategy that wasn't available to you before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that five minutes can you can. You can multiply that. With that yeah. five minutes, you may do something incredible that will transform 
your relationship with your triggers so that you yeah. don't continually end up in fight or flight over and over well, again. One of the things I found as I was reclaiming my health, right? Initially, I went out seeking this one thing that's mm-hmm. going to magically get me back to like vibrant, radiant health. And what I've discovered in my journey towards health, I have a chronic pain condition. I've had some other stuff that's gone on in my life. I've done this journey more than once. And what has become quite clear to me is as much as I'd like it to be just one thing, it's not. It's a suite of things that get me where I want to be. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so what I would say... Yeah. Oh, yeah. What I would say is that you know, in order to find that suite of things that works for you, you're going to start by just writing a list of, you know, 50 to 100 things that you love doing. Start there. Start with, okay, well, I love, yes, I do love playing with my dog. Yes, I do like, I like meditating every once in a while. Yes, I do like, you know, formatting Excel spreadsheets. Yes, I do like whatever this thing is. Or maybe if we're struggling with what we currently love doing, we can go back and say, okay, yes, I did love jumping on a trampoline as a kid. Yes, I did like playing dress up. Yes, I did, right? And, and that can really get us started. Exactly. Well, and one of the things that I've found that's kind of interesting because I, I work with a spiritual guidance council. I call them my God squad. Yep. <laughs> no one else sees them but me, and that's fine. Um, but they will bring me things to experiment with sometimes yeah. if I'm like at a loss. Mm-hmm. So it's useful for me personally to sit back and look at what have I been invited into that I went, no, I don't know if that's for me. And maybe, okay, maybe I'll suspend my judgments about that and go try it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Go try so belly dancing or whatever <laughs> it is, right? <laughs> yes. Ironically enough, I, I have a friend who is a a, a world, I don't know if it's champion or uh, just renowned belly dancer, and I've learned so much from her, and it's so much fun. But, you know, yeah, starting there, connecting, like if, if you're, if nothing's immediately coming to mind, you know, might I suggest auto writing, which is a technique that we can use to, you know, it's a journaling technique we can use to really get in touch with our higher power or spirit or God or whatever it is that you believe. And you can start asking for what those activities might be. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the tricks for me was learning how to kind of turn off my busy, busy intellectual mind, which, you know, I was encouraged to develop in my youth, in my schooling, right? Um, But I found when it came to finding peace and calmness, my brain rarely had the answer. My my body has the answer. My intuition has the answer. And so things that I found to help turn off my brain are I find if I'm connected into nature, like bare feet on the ground, it's really helpful to pull me out of my mind. Water is profoundly helpful to me. Floating in a pool or floating in a tub, even standing in a shower there's something about the flow of the water that helps me to take me out of that busy, busy brain situation and rocks. I love crystals of all kinds and having them on my body and in my hands helps me again to turn off that really overdriven intellectualness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 
it, and it's funny that you share that. Those are those are really great techniques that definitely would be on on my list because what's interesting about the artwork that I was I ended up making over time is that it was so connected to nature. Mm. So, you know, a lot of my artwork was, you know, made on on wood or with wood or I, I would use salt and water and I was really, I became this multimedia artist, quote unquote, if you will, but it was not about it being art. It was about engaging and with engaging with these natural materials because they really grounded me and they really made me feel connected on a, a bigger level to, to the universe, to the world, to the natural cycle of things. And that, that flow, that feeling really connected me back down. But yeah, it, I mean, it can really be something like that. And then, you know, one of the things that I like to clarify about this list that you create is that from there, there's really the intellectual mind does have a moment to check back in because there's some four, there's some questions that we need to be asking to make sure that we are not um, soothing or we are not um, being escapist. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Being an, an escapist in these activities. And so, you know, one of the things that we're going to ask is, well, first of all, let's start with, does this item or does this activity have the potential to put myself or someone else in harm's way? And if it does, we're going to cross it off. Mm, or, yeah. So drinking yourself into oblivion is probably one of the things we'll <laughs> whack off the list. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And even, you know, in the world of, of COVID-19, can I, can I get sick? Could I get somebody else sick? And if the answer is yes, we're going to cross it off. and Or find to- a safer way to approach it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, that's, that's one perspective that we take. Another question that you might ask is, does this item have the potential, does this activity have the potential to trigger me? Remember that the goal is to get out of fight or flight mode, not yes. get into it, right? <laughs> and so if, you know, a, a great example of this is, you know, I had a client a few years ago who was a survivor of sexual assault mm. and on her list, there it was, was a massage and she had never had a, mas- she'd never gotten a massage before. She didn't know how it was going to affect her, but she did know that when, when friends would hug her or when someone would touch her a certain way, it just, it sent her into fight or flight mode. It was yeah. not a good situation. And so that's something we have to consider. Doesn't mean we can't heal those wounds. Doesn't mean we can't address those in another context, but in the right. context of getting out of fight or flight mode. That's not probably not the first activity you want to pick. <laughs> exactly. That's an activity you want to work up to. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> through, through smaller steps of physical intimacy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. And then, you know, asking ourselves questions like, does this item fit into our resources? Does it fit into our financial resources, our time resources, our social resources right now. Yeah. Because again, we, we talk about that fight or flight mode. We might have that fancy vacation on our list and then we go to our bank account and it says something completely different. Yes, it says that fancy vacation is not happening this month and maybe not for a few more months. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And um, so we want to make sure that we're not saying, well, I have to do this fancy vacation, then we're swiping the credit card and creating more stress down the road or putting ourselves into more fight or flight modes. We're self-sabotaging. Or the real real work is in your your day-to-day, right? Yeah. Well, and I love the example of the fancy vacation because I... 
I ran into a story recently about a lady who was planning one of these really fancy vacations. And one of her friends did a little intercession with her and said, you know, why is it that this fancy vacation is important to you? She says, well, you know, I see all these people and they, there are no cell phones and they're engaged with their families and they're having this amazing and wonderful time. And her friend says, so what you really want is unplugged time with your family. She says, yeah. And so what she decided to do instead was she bought a $2 basket and she put it in the doorway. And when you came home, you put your phone in the basket. And there was some resistance to that initially, but at some point, being bored, you start to engage with, you, with each other. And soon you're having this unplugged time with your family that you were seeking in the fancy vacation. And that's what you really wanted. Yeah. I love that example. It's such a great, great example. So we are kind of getting down to the end of our time here. And I know you brought a gift with you for our listeners. Would you like to share with them what you brought? Absolutely. So everything that we talked about today in terms of alternative ways to reduce stress and how do we get out of fight or flight mode, all of the information we discussed is in my free workbook. I actually like to call it a playbook, which is a playbook. I like that better because workbook (laughs) feels like, oh, this is going to be heavy. (laughs) Exactly. I like to call it a playbook and it's giving you all the prompts and tools that I taught today so you can really find what works for you and begin implementing it. And um, so that's the first thing. And then the second thing is that if you feel like you really, you you really want to take the next step, you want to do the hard work as we were talking about (laughs) earlier. No, no, not the hard work. If you want to find freedom for yourself. Exactly. That peace, that freedom. um, What you're going to want to do is you're going to want to visit my website to apply for a complimentary stress-less clarity session. Beautiful. And I have both of those links available for our listeners at SovereignSelf.media. You go out there and you'll see this lovely section for Carly Myers that has the playbook and the conversation link available to you there. So make sure you go out and do that. SovereignSelf.media. Thank you so much for being with me today, Carly. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And if you would like to come play with Zofia a little bit more, uh, on Tuesday evenings, I have a get-together at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you would like to come play with me in the Spirit Talks development experience where we work to connect with our highest self and to learn how to allow our soul to lead us through this world, you can uh, register for that at bit.ly slash spirit talks one that's s-p-i-r-i-t-t-a-l-k-s and a numeric one uh come play with us on tuesday evenings and until next week go out and live soul first Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here.